everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Resilient and Real podcast, hosted by the San Bernardino County Department of Behavioral Health. I'm Miranda Canseco, Public Relations and Community Outreach Coordinator. The last couple of years have been challenging for all of us, personally and professionally. We adjusted and adapted to the times, but some of us at the expense of our mental health. One in five American adults experience some form of mental illness in a given year. These conversations are more prevalent than ever. That is why I am so excited that this episode, we will focus on mental health with our very special guest, Allie Mink. Thank you, Allie, for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me to speak on your podcast. I'm very excited. Allie Mink is the San Bernardino Area President for the National Alliance of Mental Illness, or widely known as NAMI. She is a mental health advocate and a skilled wellness coach. So welcome. To start us off, can you share a little bit about NAMI and how you support the community? Absolutely. So formally, the National Alliance on Mental Illness is the nation's largest grassroots mental health organization that is dedicated to improving the lives of people affected by mental health conditions. So that's family members who have a loved one with a mental health condition, individuals who live with a mental health condition, and I would dare to say the entire community. You did mention the statistic that one in five uh, adults live with a mental health condition or are affected by a mental health condition. And what we like to say is that one in five may live with it, but five in five are affected by it. Mental health affects everybody in the community, whether it is a loved one, yourself, a next door neighbor, a community member, it, it affects us in many ways. Yes, I, I think that that's super important. That kind of takes us into what we've been seeing on our side. So recent data shows that mental health is being talked about more and it makes sense because it affects so many people. Some of the stigmas are being eliminated, which is great. So I know a part of NAMI's mission is to educate and the advocacy component. What do you think we can do to normalize mental illnesses and address those stigmas? I wanted to address something that you just said, which is we're talking about mental illness more. And that in and of itself is a huge change. Mental health conditions, mental illness, it, it is nothing new. The only difference is that I'd say until very recently, when we hear about mental health and mental illness, we think the general population thinks that that's a them issue. Mm. They may have empathy, they may have compassion, but they believe that it affects other people. What we saw during the pandemic, sort of the silver lining to uh, this huge trauma that has affected our nation, our, our youth worldwide, is that mental health affects all of us. All of us have mental health. It can be affected by traumatic events, you know, big changes, but not all of us have mental illness. And so we're at least opening those discussions up now. And I think it's become more of an us conversation than a them conversation. That that in and of itself reduces stigma. I think, yes, the conversations around mental health and, and like you said, it affects so many of us. How do we normalize those conversations? I know that the conversations can sometimes be hard around mental health and a little uncomfortable. What are some resources that people can turn to if they've been diagnosed or they have a family member or loved one that has? The National Alliance on Mental Illness wasn't started. I, we say it's a grassroots mental health organization. It wasn't started by a bunch of people who had degrees who were sitting around thinking this would be a really great organization to found. It was started organically 
by people who had loved ones who were living with mental health conditions. And that was in 1979. And here we are in uh, 2022 and still dealing with many of the same issues. When a loved one has a mental health condition, we're in shock. We don't know what to do because even though we may have heard of mental health conditions, we don't know how to navigate the system. Mm -hmm. What NAMI helps with is navigating that system. There are resources out there, but sometimes finding them is like taking a really big puzzle Mm -hmm. and dropping it on the floor and expecting somebody who has no idea what the puzzle looks like to put it back together again. NAMI really in its core helps put those puzzle pieces back together again. We are the GPS of mental health. That's perfect. And and I think that's how NAMI and the Department of Behavioral Health collaborate a lot because we're in that same that same work of how do we connect people to services. Right, absolutely. One of the things that's really important, I believe, and in terms of both the Department of Behavioral Health and NAMI and, and other organizations, is that very often until people need us, they don't know we exist. I always say that NAMI is the best kept secret out there. And we don't want to be a secret. We want everybody to know who we are, whether you need mental health services or not, because then when you do, or somebody you know is, they don't need to start going through, you know, sheaves of paper and searching through newspaper clippings to find out. Well, oh, now, of course, Google, that helps a lot. We should be the first thing you think of. You have a loved one who's just hospitalized. I'm so sorry. I know how difficult that must be. Why don't you give NAMI a call? I, I don't know that much about them, but I know that they can really help you. And the same would be for the Department of Behavioral Health. I did not know that the Department of Behavioral Health existed until I was looking for resources. So we hope that this is a club that they don't have to join, that they never have to join. But if they do, that they know where to find us. And I think that ties in with the normalizing these conversations. Everyone can benefit from talking and and taking a look at improving their mental health. Everyone, doesn't matter what is going on in their life. And I think if we normalize that more, people will be able to, to know that there's resources out there and, and ask for help. And so when times maybe do get tough or if there is a certain situation in life with a family member, they already are connected to us and to these different services. Absolutely. One of the other things that we talked about is normalizing conversation. And part of that is for people to understand what mental illness is and what mental health is. Mental health is what allows us to function daily, right? So everybody has health, right? We And we know what that is. It's really easy. When I ask somebody, what is your health that you're, they say, you know, I want to make sure that my heart is healthy. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that my blood sugar is stable. I want to make sure that I eat well. But when you start talking about mental health, people are a little bit more confused, And mental health is really just the other side of health, right? It's physical as well. The only difference is that the organ that is affected is the brain rather than the heart or the pancreas. And when our mental health is is good, we're able to bounce back from things that happen during the day. We're we're able to get through our day, get up in the morning, sleep well at night, and, and basically function. Our emotions are regulated. When a mental illness hits, It really is something that affects, changes that normal activity, changes that continuum to people being unable to think as clearly. Their moods will be dysregulated and it affects a person's ability to relate to others and really function each day. 
Yes. And, and I know I heard that you have a, a great kind of analogy for that around addressing those stigmas of that you're not your, your condition, you're not your diagnosis. How would you phrase that? What we believe is that mental health is part of who we are. It doesn't define who we are. And a lot of that is languaging. Uh, you can see that in language when we say somebody has cancer or somebody lives with high blood pressure. But when we talk about individuals with a mental health condition, we tend to put that together. So we say, and and this is really just not of, it's not usually because people are trying to stigmatize mental illness. It's just what they've heard, but language is, is very powerful. So I've had people come say, I have a son who is schizophrenic. Uh, my loved one is bipolar. And you're not your mental health condition. Your mental health condition is part of who you are. So uh, the languaging that changes that is just talk about, and, and it really changes how we think about it is, I have a loved one living with schizophrenia. I have a loved one who has bipolar disorder. And by that, we're humanizing the individual and we're letting them, people know that that's part of who they are, but it's not the sum of who they are. Perfect. You nailed it right on, right head oh, on, thank Allie. You. Thank you. And around these conversations, what would you say, what would be a starting point for someone? Uh, they want to come to their spouse or they want to go to their parents and they want to start those conversations around mental health. How would you guide them? What would they say? Uh, really? Are you talking about a family or an, an individual that there's nothing going on? They just want to talk about if you ever? Yes. So part of it is to start normalizing conversation really early. So, you know, talk about feelings. How are you feeling today? And then they might say, fine. Well, your energy looks a little, little low. Can you tell me what that feels like? And then using words like sad, happy, confused, depressed, hopeless, enthusiastic, optimistic. Sometimes we don't know how to even have those conversations because we haven't had them. And it's funny because in the media, we're seeing more of that. You know, we there's films out there now that address it. There are really good books for children that address it, but there's still some stigma up around that. Part of that is that people are really busy. You know, everybody's running to their own place. And we, not, not only in the United States, but very much in the United States, we have a, a strong work culture we have a strong feeling that no matter what's going on, we need to just push through. While there's a certain element of that, we also need to recognize that if something's coming up, we need to treat it. Nothing gets better by not treating it. And I always refer to, to this, which is uh, if, you know, if you had chest pain, if somebody in the room, if you were sitting in the room and uh, your loved one, your, your son, your daughter, your father suddenly started experiencing chest pain. And maybe he put his hand on his heart and he talked about pain going down the side of his arm. You wouldn't sit there and, and say, well, you know what? Let, let's just sit here and see how you feel tomorrow morning, right? What, what, what would you do? What would be the, your, uh, your reaction? It would be, let's get him to a doctor. Let's get him to, to some medical professional right away. You'd be, call 911. I think he's having a heart attack, a heart attack or a stroke. Absolutely. Now, you're probably not a cardiologist. Yeah. You probably have never done open heart surgery, but you know that. And, and why is that? Because we've spent so much time educating the public because we know that a quick reaction time can save a life. And what I'd like to see is the same done with mental health and mental illness. If I see a loved one who hasn't gotten out of bed, if I see a loved one who's struggling, instead of saying, you know what, it's probably a phase and he'll feel better, let's get some help. This looks really serious. I'm concerned for you. And if you go to the doctor and the doctor says, there's nothing wrong, he needs a little B12, 
everybody's fine. But there's so much fear. And we talk about stigma. This is what stigma looks like. Stigma doesn't just look about that we don't talk about it because we're uncomfortable. Stigma is also what we do with that information. Stigma is also not knowing what to do because we don't have these conversations. Stigma is not knowing that if somebody has a mental health condition, recovery is possible, that it's not a life sentence, that it doesn't mean somebody with bipolar disorder or schizophrenia will not marry, or somebody with a mental health condition like depression won't be able to hold down a job. It's knowing that recovery is possible and that when mental health conditions are treated effectively and quickly, that people are able to continue with their lives with some kind of treatment and some kinds of modifications in their li lifestyle. So that's that's really the message that we want to get out there. We want people to get the best treatment possible as early as possible. If we're having these conversations and we're being open to it, how would you say that we can differentiate someone that's maybe just having a bad day or they're just having a, a low point but it, it might be different than actually being depressed. How do we navigate that part? I think that's a great that's a great question. So being depressed or sad is usually, not always, but very, mo most of the time, something that's just an emotion, a mood, a feeling, is very often a reaction to something that's going on around us. So if I lost my job, if my best friend leaves town, if I've had a breakup, a very normal reaction would be to be, you know, sad, feel lost, maybe feel a little bit hopeless. And that might last, you know, a few days. Maybe I don't feel like going out partying right now, but in a week from now, I'm ready to go outside. Depression, I'm just using that as an example, or, or a, a mental health condition lasts usually longer than two weeks. It is, I would say, rather than a expected reaction to an event, it goes above and beyond that. And then again, what we talked about is that it starts to affect function and wellness. So being unable to get out of bed for weeks on end, stopping to take care of your cleanliness, not brushing your teeth, maybe even not, not eating, being unable to find joy or pleasure in the things that normally gave you pleasure before. R really just seeing these sharp contrasts in behavior that last for long periods of time, whether there is an outside stress or not. I really love your example of the heart attack. And sometimes we might not know for sure if it is depression, but if it was a health condition um, or something, something going on in that direction, we would want to seek medical help of, of, hey, and it might not be anything, but let's just check. And, and we need to to have that perspective with mental health as well. Of It might not, but but let's look into it and let's let's get someone that that we can talk to about it. Right. And, I, and again, this speaks back to stigma and stigma is, is fear. Because of the fear, we would rather put it off. We're so scared of the message. But again, it's because we don't understand that there is wellness out there, that there is a recovery out there. If you've heard all your life that somebody with schizophrenia looks like this and you don't believe that recovery is possible, you're going to put that off. You're going to be, I, I don't want to know this. Sometimes we, we say ignorance is, is not bliss, but sometimes it is. People, if I don't know this, I don't have to worry about it. Some of the myths that exist, and I think that this is the reason that people don't get help is we say, if this is what's what look is ahead of me, I don't want to know about it. So we don't want to talk about mental illness because we're afraid that people with mental illness are are dangerous. And if we believe that, 
We don't want other people in our lives to know that because now we think they'll pull away from us. We think that people with mental illness won't be able to hold down jobs or that everybody who has mental illness is homeless and everybody who's homeless has mental illness. And while there are overlaps and and while there are degrees of truth in this, it's not the entire truth. So people need to see the other end. Very often our only representations in the media are these, you know, horror films are um, when something tragic happens, it must be somebody with a mental health condition. It must be somebody with mental illness. They must be, and I, I you know, I'm going to use language, crazy, schizo. Um, so that's the only part that people see what people don't see, but are beginning to see. And again, NAMI is really dedicated to this, is that people with stories of recovery, people that have mental health conditions who are living well in recovery, that they are able to share their stories. So now when I think of mental health and mental health conditions, I think of an astronaut who has done really well. I'm looking at a a poster that I really love that we use at a lot of our uh, booths and, and conferences. It says, people with mental illness enrich our lives. And while this particular poster is a little bit dated, there are names on here like Beethoven, Isaac Newton, Virginia Woolf, Buzz Aldrin, Brian Wilson, Patty Duke, Mike Wallace, Michelangelo, Carrie Fisher. These are all people who lived with mental health conditions or continue to live with mental health conditions who have added enormous beauty and enriched our lives. When we know that, then we know that mental health conditions are are not a life sentence. People with mental health conditions can continue to live lives of not only lives of quality, but to enrich the lives of others. Yes. I love that there's more information being shared in post-pandemic on social media and, and just in conversations. But with all of that new information, I am seeing some misinformation, which happens anytime that there's social media involved and, and other platforms. What are you seeing that some misinformation that you can kind of debunk for our listeners of something they can take away that eh, maybe that's not true and that's not the way to look at it? There, there's so many, I don't know where to begin. Some of them are the ones that I already talked about, that people with mental health conditions are, let's say, violent and unpredictable. I'll just give you a personal story. Several years ago, I was trying to put together a training for individuals with mental health condition. It was, I believe it was peer-to-peer, which is an eight-week educational class, psychoeducational class that we offer to the community free. All of our all of our resources are free to the community, but we also train individuals. So people with mental health conditions who want to help others going through the same thing. So I was looking for a location that was large enough to hold about 15 to 20 people that we would have desk room. And I I reached out and I I won't say who I explained that I was from NAMI and that I was looking for a location to hold a training. And they were very forthcoming and offered to show me around and told me a little bit about the space. So I said, this is an eight week, we're going to train people to teach an eight week class at the time. I think it was a 10 week class to other individuals with mental health conditions. And really without missing a beat, the person on the other end of the line said, well, are they dangerous? And I was, it it was as if somebody had kicked me in the stomach. I was flabbergasted because obviously we're looking at the same picture with two completely different pairs of lenses. It never occurred to me that I would have to explain to somebody that people with mental health conditions on a really basic level are not necessarily dangerous. But to the other person, it was just as obvious that if I was talking about people with mental illness, 
that they were likely dangerous. Therein is is one of the biggest issues, I believe, in, again, this discrimination, why people don't get help and why people don't share, why they don't, why you don't walk into a room and say, hi, my name is Linda and I have schizophrenia because you don't know what the other person's images of that. And you don't want that to be the only thing that they think of when they see you. And very often, once we've shared that, that's how, how, that's how people see us. But getting back to things that people don't know, treatment. Treatment for mental health conditions is really wide and varied. And what works for one person may not be a great fit for another person. And so part of it is reaching out and finding professionals who can offer you options and then advocate for yourself. So being able to have these conversations with professionals, people who are treating you. Yes. And I think we can talk about this uh, mental health. All day long. <laughs> all day long. And there's so much more. We kind of just touched the surface, but yeah. thank you for, for sharing your experience and your knowledge. And, and I know that our, our listeners definitely will appreciate it. I would be remiss if I did not mention and, and tie in NAMI's upcoming event, which would be a great resource for all of our listeners, kind of step two of receiving these resources. So can you tell us a little bit about NAMI? Walks. So we talk about stigma and we talked about having these transparent conversations. And part of that is really taking these conversations out of the darkness and placing them into the light. And we do that literally every year with our NAMI Walks Inland Empire. We're one of, oh, I don't know how many walks nationwide, but I, I would guess about 100 walks nationwide that called NAMI Walks where we reach out to celebrate mental health in a carnival-like uh, atmosphere. So we have a 5K. Our 5K is being held November 5th at Diamond Valley Lake in Hammett. It is a mental health awareness event, but it's also a fundraiser for all of the affiliates in the Riverside and San Bernardino County area. We are nonprofits. And by that, I mean, we are literally nonprofits. We depend on membership and donations and grants to be able to fund the programs that we bring to the community. It's a 5K, but it doesn't mean you have to walk it or run it. You can come and just enjoy the music. There'll be entertainment. Sometimes we have people from dance cores or yoga. There'll be speakers sharing information about their lived experience or what they have to offer the community. And there's going to be booths and food and all kinds of freebies, but also great information, great dialogue, great opportunities to learn more about mental health and other mental health organizations. Not only ours, the Department of Behavioral Health will be there. There'll be representation from the Veterans Administration, churches in the area, other resources besides us are available to people. And just celebrating it. The first walk I went to, there was a woman behind me and I, I did not know what to expect. I thought something with mental health, that sounds really depressing. I, I was very naive. I was very early on in my NAMI journey, but there was somebody standing behind me and, and we were talking and she said, this is so incredible to see. I felt so alone and to see all of these people coming out here to support me that just gives me great hope. And that's what events like this are about. So we invite everybody to come out. If you go on to namiwalks.org and look up either November 5th or Inland Empire, you'll be able to find information about how to join the walk, how to join a team, how to donate and or participate or both. It's a great event. If you need more information, you can reach out to 
our organization, info at namisb.org, um, or go to our website, namisb.org, and we'll be able to share information with you. That is great. I'm looking forward to attending my first NAMI event. Oh, yeah. You're, you're going to love it. Very excited. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners as we close out this episode? I would be remiss if I did not say you are not alone. I know very often that somebody who's living with a mental health condition thinks that they're the only person out there and they don't know where help is available. And I'm telling, I want to let that person know, the, the one in five or the family member that's supporting the one in five, that you are not alone and that there is help and resources available. All you need to do is reach out to us. So check out our website, namisb.org. We offer support groups. We have free educational classes. If somebody in the community is looking for information for their employees, just general information about mental health and mental uh, wellness, we, we offer uh, resources along those lines. And we would love to partner with anybody who's interested in looking for more. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here today, Ali. We appreciate all of the hard work you are doing to help raise awareness and the importance of mental health. And again, I look forward to seeing you on November 5th. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me here. It's been wonderful. Thank you for the work you do. For more information about the Department of Behavioral Health, visit sbcounty.gov dbh. Plus, follow the department on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Thank you for listening to another episode of Resilient and Real. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to be notified when the next episode drops. Until next time, remember to live life resilient and real.